Man, I'm a little fired up now. I am really glad to be back with you guys. I've been away for a couple weeks, and it is really good to be home with you. Um, hey, I want to say hello to those watching on video and online and at our, at our video campus. We are so glad that you guys are joining us. Uh, we are excited about being together as one church. Now, it blows my mind to even think about this a little bit, that we get, through technology, this opportunity to be one church with two locations, where others are joining us in this one mission that we have, sharing one message through this modern technology called video. And I think it's amazing, and God's going to use it in, in, in incredible ways. So uh, I'm super glad that you guys are here today. Uh, and, but before we dive in to our final part of the series called Habits, I just want to uh, share a little bit about my life with you. I've been away on vacation a, about two weeks ago, and then uh, there's been some family stuff in my life. But we took a little family vacation to Air. Arizona to visit Lynette's parents a couple weeks ago. Uh, super duper glad uh, that we did because Lynette's mom, uh, just after we left, got very, very sick. Very, very sick. So we were very blessed to be there and to spend that time uh, with them. Uh, but let me just tell you about some things that I experienced in Arizona and that part of the country. Uh, so first of all, uh, I had no idea that our country had so much desert. Have these people never heard of rain or green, okay? I am glad to be in Michigan in many ways, okay? Uh, second thing is, uh, you have to go to the Grand Canyon. It's, it's breathtaking, and it's beautiful, and it is from God, and you, you need to put that on your bucket list. You really do. Just bring a lot of money. That's all I got to say, okay? And, uh, and so because we were so close to uh, the ocean, we were three, three and a half hours away from San Diego, uh, we decided to just drive across the desert, and I mean literal like 50 miles of sand dunes. It was crazy, and, but it was beautiful. And, and so we drive into San Diego, and, and I can tell you this, the ocean is beautiful, as many of you know, but the city of San Diego is absolutely beautiful. It is a beautiful city, and that should be on your bucket list as well, just to go to San Diego. But while we are out there, uh, we always make it a point when we are on vacation or out of town, we always make it a point to go to church. Uh, and so we chose one of the largest churches, the largest church in San Diego, one of the largest churches in the country to go visit. And uh, you see, for my family, we, we're, we're Christians, and we feel it is incredibly important uh, that we go to church where we can gather with other Christians and we worship and we sit under the teaching of God's word. We just think that's so important. Plus, I got to admit uh, that I'm a little bit of a church junkie. This is what I do for a living. And so I go and I'm the guy snooping behind everything, figuring out how they do, what they do, and all that kind of stuff. And, and so we went to this church and uh, and here's what I want to share with you. We went to this church that uh, attends about 19,000 people a week. They're reaching their city. I mean, they are, and they started just like us, real small, and they just got bigger and bigger. And uh, they're reaching 19,000 people a week over five campuses. Uh, the main campus where their pastor teaches uh, has about 6,000 people. And get this, 13,000 people gather a week on video screens. I mean, that's incredible. And, and so my takeaway from this was I was blown away how they are leveraging technology to reach their city. I was just blown away. And I was blown away with the attitude of sacrifice that their people made. I mean, when they were, I, I talked to a whole bunch of them, and, and, and they, they, they talked about how difficult that transition was to go to video campusing. It was very, very difficult on them. And a lot of people laughed. A lot of people, you know, got upset and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and, it, it, but, and it was funny because... Uh, it's very obvious 
uh, that they love their pastor a lot more than some churches love their pastor. Um, It's very obvious, but they love their mission more. But they love their mission more. And that was just so inspiring to me. And I hope um, that one day, we will be that kind of church that is so locked in, not to a person, not to some man or woman or whoever stands on this stage, but that we'll be locked into the mission of taking the gospel, the message of Jesus, everywhere and anywhere. Amen? Uh, Now, let me tell you one other thing that I experienced at this church. Kind of shocked me a little bit. Now, here we are. We're in this just monster type of facility, very modern, very hip, very cool. Uh, The pastor is probably in his upper 50s, low 60s maybe. Uh, Not as hip and cool as I am, but but he's hip and cool. And and so uh, the congregation is there on all the video screens around the the city as well. And uh, he's getting the whole message going. And uh, he, he, he says something that just, I didn't know what to make of it at first. He, he just starts to turn his corner in the message and he gets a little bit serious and he says, so here we go, here we go. Everybody, you know the routine, you know the routine, everybody on your knees. And I'm like, we're at a mega church. I mean, this is like young and old together. There's just thousands of people there and he just says, everybody on your knees, everybody on your knees. And uh, I'm like, what in the world? And I'm feeling like the pressure here. I'm going, oh, okay, you know. And, and I see all these people get on their knees. And he just leads this congregation. Here he is, 50, 60-year-old man, superstar in the world of church, ex-NFL football player, on his knees, leading his people, all of his people, on the knees. And uh, I just felt in that moment how humbling, how humbling. You see, because we come to church, we think, this is for me. It is not for you. It is for your soul. It is for you to get right with God and to hear the voice of God. And I found out later that this is what they do. Um, it's kind of their thing, you know? It's just their stick. But you know what? Not that we're gonna do it every week. Um, but I think we should do that right now. Before we turn the corner, everybody on your knees. If you can, I get it. Some people are old and you just can't do this or you're like me and you're broken up on the inside. But just get on, just get on your knees. For, I just wanna lead us humbly before God. So Father in heaven, God, we just quiet our soul just for a moment before you. And I know this might seem a little weird to guests and we don't do this very often or never really. Um, But God, we just want to collectively say, speak, oh God. Speak, oh God. For your child is listening. Amen? Amen. 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 So let's talk about one of the biggest things that is going on in the world right now. It's not uh, this week, it's actually next week. This is a big deal. It's this little game they play, and it's called the Super Bowl. I mean, it's a big, big deal to a whole bunch of people, right? Uh, literally, they estimate that a billion people will be watching this little game next week. And, and, and so uh, w- when you think about this, idea of the game, there are like super fans and then there are like just party fans. Uh, it's weird. For me, I just like watching the game. I got to admit right now, I am not like a big fan at all. Uh, as a matter of fact, I had to Google just to find out who was in the game. Okay, I literally, I just, you know, and so I found out that it's the uh, New England Patriots. Any Patriot fans in the house here? Any pa- Patriot fans? Okay. Versus the Falcons. Anybody going with the Falcons? Anybody? Okay. You go. Oh, wow. 
Okay, so I like watching the game, uh, and, and normally around here, we do like a huge party. It's like the, a big deal, like every year we do one. And I gotta be honest with you, I just completely forgot. There's been so much going on in my life, so much going on with my family. It didn't even dawn on me that there was this big game coming up. And so, but I'm hopeful that I'll get to watch the game because maybe one of you nice people will invite me to the game. Uh, but, but I kind of annoy people when I'm watching the game with them because I am not like a big time super fan. And I'm one of those guys who go, what are they doing now? What's going on? I don't understand. Like, I don't understand the rules. I don't understand. Well, that was a great play. Why did they got this little flag going down? That was sweet. You know, like, that's illegal. You know, I'm like, what? You know, and so uh, I guess there's all these rules, right? It's part of the game. And, uh, and so... But I do love watching the game, but it gets very confusing because like when you hear like that quarterback and he goes, slant 42, drop 74, 91, on six, hot, hot. I'm like, what's he talking about? I'm like totally 100% confused. I have no idea if that even means anything or if it means a whole bunch. And it's like secret code for those people on the team. I'm not even sure. But, but it's like one of those deals like, um, that you just don't quite know what's going on. But one of the things that's obvious is like when you watch a game, uh, they, they, the players uh, in between every single play, they get back together, right? They get back together in this little circle they call the the huddle, right? And, uh, you know, it's interesting. Not a lot of people know this, but, but you may not know where the, the whole idea of the huddle came from. This is a true story. Way back in eight, I, I looked this up because I'm confused about this whole thing. I'm like, what are these guys all patting each other's butts for and hugging each other? I'm like, what's going on, man? And, and so I looked it up and literally like the huddle, it comes from 1892. True story, true story. There were two deaf schools playing a football game against each other. And the quarterback from one of the deaf schools felt that his name was Paul Hubbard. He felt the other team was watching their hand singles because they were signing. They were signing. And so he calls his team together. This is the first time in recorded history that he calls his team together. And he says, get in a circle so they can't see our, our hand signs. True story. So they call this the huddle. And this is where we get the huddle from. Now, the huddle... Uh, as far as I can tell, it lasts maybe 20 or 30 seconds. Like, again, I'm never, I've never played football. I'm not really into this. But I'm guessing inside of that huddle, uh, maybe the quarterback or somebody is, like, cheering the team on, like, man, you're killing it. I mean, they're like, you know, you keep doing that. We're going to kill these guys, you know, and patting each other on the butt and all that. And so uh, I'm, I'm guessing that they kind of call out some numbers that like are pre-memorized because like you hear every once in a while like you can hear them like call these numbers out and all the people are going yeah so they must like pre-memorize or they got cheat sheets like I did and I mean they got cheat sheets right and, and they're writing these plays down I'm not even sure but 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 somebody is like calling the play they're getting together and, and then he tells them like maybe when they're going to snap it and they maybe he dials into a couple of the key players for the key play uh, I'm not exactly sure what goes on there but it's obviously very very important because after 20 seconds or so, and I'm not even sure, do they have like a time limit for the huddle? Yes. Okay, so they, maybe 20, 30 seconds is what I guess. And, and so they get this like huddle thing going and then they, they break and then they go back and get into the game. Right? They get into the game. Am I got it right so far? Okay, am I on, on track here? Uh, now this is unbelievable to me. So I did a little research about this. People are into football. Yes. <laughs> Just a little bit. I mean, these overgrown, meat-eating killers, right? Uh, the, the, the people are into this, right? And, and so I did a little research. The average game for the average seat 
in the average city in America for, uh, to go to a game to buy a single ticket is about $90. It's about $90. So, family like mine, I got six of us, that would be, well, ungodly. Okay, that would be a crazy amount of money. Then, of course, you got to pay for food and parking because I'm guessing they ain't throwing that in for the 300 bucks I just gave them, right? Uh, it's, it's big, big money. But it gets worse than that because most games sell out in the country and they have a resale market. This blew my mind. I didn't even know this was out there, but like they have these like StubHub places and these ticket resellers. So if you bought the ticket originally, you go back and, and you, let's say you don't want to go, but somebody else wants to go to the game, they couldn't get it on the original sale, so now they're bidding for these tickets. The average resale ticket for an average game for the New England Patriots is $400 a ticket. Crazy, right? Now, it gets worse than that because if you want to go to the big game, the real big, big game in Houston, right? They call it the Super Bowl. Guess what the average ticket sold this year was? Thousand bucks, two thousand bucks? Five thousand. Now, I'm like going... Dude, I'm going home and I'm buying me the biggest, baddest TV. I'm going to put the surround sound in for that money. I'm going to buy a new couch and I can buy all the Doritos I could ever eat for that $5,000. Plus, I'll just listen to somebody else tell me what's going on in the game, right? So I won't be so confused, but it is amazing. But, but here's my guess. Here's my guess. Here's my guess. Tell me if I'm wrong about this. My guess is you super fans who are dropping this 5K, my guess is you don't go to the game to watch the huddle. My, my guess is that you don't go, wow, that's an amazing huddle. <laughs> you, you don't go, they can't throw, they can't run the ball, but they can huddle. Nobody goes, the Lions can't ever go anywhere, but they have an amazing huddle time. Look at the way those guys love on each other, you know? Nobody's doing that. Nobody. You, you don't go to the game for the huddle because the huddle is not the play. The play is the play. The play is, is what we want to see. The play is, is what, what really matters. The play is, is what determines who wins and loses. The play it determines who gets the, the ring in the end. The play is everything. So I don't want to go too fast for you, but the huddle is not the play. It, it's just not. Uh, and so don't get me wrong, though. The huddle, it's really, really important. I mean, it's so important that from what I can tell is like, you watch this like on television and you go, hey, where's that guy going? Wasn't he supposed to be on the field? And some other guy comes in. And what I'm told is that they're often bringing plays in, am I right, from the sidelines. And so apparently, whether it's the coach on the sideline or maybe some guy up in the booth or something like that, they have a different perspective than the guys on the field. They have a different view, different, you know, bird's eye kind of overview of the big picture of the game. And they're what? They're calling the plays into the huddle because the huddle is really, really important. But the huddle is not the play, and the huddle is not the game. You pay big bucks to watch 300-pound men play ball, not to sit in a little circle with their little butts out at you. That's just gross, right? You, you pay to watch those guys make a play. You want to see them in action. So let me make this switch in our thinking a little bit. If you are a Christian, 
If you are a follower of the Lord Jesus, this is your huddle time. This is not the game. This is the huddle where we get together and we come up with a game plan. We, we get together and we, we're, we're, we're motivated. Listen, you, you watch these overgrown guys, they're patting each other on the butt. It's like that last second motivation. I'm not gonna pat it on the butt. I can tell you that right now. I'm no, no patting, okay? Um, but this is the huddle where we are challenged, where we're reminded about what's really important, where we're pushed to do better, to go back and to get in the game so we can make the play. So just allow me a little bit more football metaphor here because this is where God sends in the play. This is where Jesus is like the quarterback and he's like calling the shots. He, he's, he's putting it out there. This is where we get around the game plan. But it is not the game. You and me, eventually, just like the pros, we're supposed to say, break and go get in the game. We're supposed to have a different thing in our life. The huddle is this last minute prep before stepping out onto the field. The huddle is this last minute encouragement to get going, to go get them. And, and, and again, I'm not patting anybody on the butt, but I'm like saying, guys, boom, let's go. Faith matters. Your soul matters. Righteousness matters. Goodness matters. Community matters. It's meant to challenge us to take us to new levels of living. Um, it's the last minute instruction to the team before they actually go out and get in the game, but the idea is that ultimately you choose to get in the game. Now, I don't know if you've ever been around somebody who is leaving this life and going into the next life. Have you ever been around one of those situations? Ever been at a deathbed? It's sad, right? It's intense. Um, with huddled tones and, and mumbled words, you often gather around and, and somebody will say, I've, I've been there a number of times, where somebody who is passing will say their final words. They'll say something like this. They'll say, I'm really sorry. I'm just really sorry. And sometimes you have to lean in close to hear them, right? And sometimes they'll say, like, you know, I just want you to know I love you. I just want you to know that, that you're really important to me. I love you. Um, listen, you ever go to a memorial service? Almost every single time you will eventually hear somebody say, the last words my mama said to me were, and they'll tell a story. Or the last words my son said to me. Or, or my husband said to me. Or my grandpa said to me. Because why, friends? Final words are really, really important. Now, let me remind you, we're in this series called Habits, Right? And we've been talking about habits are these things that drive us. They, 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 they almost become who we are. And, and every once in a while, we have to step back and look into our life and figure out some things aren't working. We're not becoming who we want to become. We're not doing the things we know we should be doing and want to be doing in our life. Every once in a while, you have to reaccess where your life is going. And we get around this idea that, that the only way uh, to change something about you that is less than God wants for you is to get more of God into you. Right? So we got to figure out how to get more of God into us. We got to get these right 
things into us. Remember how we started this whole thing off? We said, we've got to figure out how to get these right things. We've got to figure out how to do this. To, and, and we got around this little formula that said, for any area of life that you want to change, for any area of life that you want to be successful, there is a formula for it. It's doing right things over and over despite how you feel. It's true, isn't it? I mean, if you want to change something about you, odds are it's not going to be easy. But you got to figure out how to do the right things over and over and over and over and over despite feeling like you want to quit. Despite feeling like you've had enough. Because anything that's hard in life is a fight. Anything that's worth something of great value, it takes a lot of effort to get there. Am I right? And so you got to figure out how to do it over and over despite how you feel. And then we got around this idea of what are the right things? And we said the very first right thing in your life is to get under the knife. To let God's word begin to cut you and shape you. To, to let it mold you and to let it trim away the parts of your life that should not be part of your life. And to get the good things into your life that should be in your life. Anybody remember this idea? We got to get under the knife. It is essential that we grow like this. That somehow, in some way, you've got to get God's word into you. And I've got to get it into me. Now, we do this around here in a lot of different ways. Like this, we gather in services like this and, and we put our messages online so people can see them and watch them. And all of that's designed to help us to grow, to get God's word into us. And some people say, well, I really, you know, I don't really get it when I read it. I understand that. Not that you have to get it all, but you have to start somewhere. And so we use messages like this to help you understand about what God is actually trying to say to us through his word. People like me, you pay me to study this stuff all week long, to think about this stuff, and to figure out the best way to teach this stuff. So we got to get around things like this. And we also have this little bookstore at our campuses. We call it the Journey Store. And I'm going to tell you what, those folks in there, they're amazing. You go in there and you say, hey, I'm trying to figure out how to take my next steps. I'm just trying to figure this out. I don't even know where to start. They're going to help you. They're not going to go, hey, you're a loser, out the door, right? No, they're going to say, this is why we exist. This is what we are all about. You need to avail yourself to this. You know, we talk about this idea of uh, life groups. And how we, we get around these little communities. And they're designed to help us to grow. We build this habit of getting under the knife. And one of the ways to do that is get into these life groups. Crazy Pastor Jack talked about that last week. Right? Y'all remember this? He, he talked about we need to figure out a way to get around people who are heading in the same direction or who want to head in the same direction as us. We need to figure out how to get the, not only the right words into our life, but we got to get the right people into our life. We need people who are going to point the way for us, who are going to show us by example, who are going to encourage us by words, and they're going to lift us, not drag us down. We need to get this. I'm going to tell you something, friends. If you and I get around the habit of getting into these life groups, getting around the right people, I'm going to tell you something. Your soul will grow, period. It will. Something will come alive in you that was not alive before. Something will move forward in your life that was not moving forward before. It's just true. So we have to somehow get around the knife, get under the knife. We got to get into these groups. And listen, here's, here's, here's the habit for today. We got to get going. We got to get going. Are you hearing me, friends? Do, 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 I know I'm blowing you away right now with a bunch of spiritual depth on that. I know I'm blowing you away with like theology and philosophy. Jay, you just said you just got to get going. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's true. Really, the first step to anything is just getting started. If you want to change something about you, you have to start somewhere. You have to get going. You have to figure out how to get more of God in you, and you just have to start. You have to get going. I'm telling you, friends, um, there, there, matter of fact, Jesus, he gets together with the, with the 11. At the end of his life, he had already been crucified, raised from the dead. He gathers up the 11, his, some of his closest followers. There was 12. Judas got cut from the team. Or a football metaphor. And he, and he gathers up the 11 for a huddle. Amen. You guys have got to work with me a little bit. How many people are on a football team? 11. 11. Who says we are not deeply spiritual around here? Who says this, right? But, but, but it's true. He gathers the 11 together and he calls them in for a huddle. And we're going to read this in Matthew chapter 28. Uh, Matthew was one of Jesus' closest followers. He was with Jesus at the very start. And he saw the whole deal. And he was with Jesus at the cross. Uh, he saw the whole thing. He saw the, uh, Jesus die and, and be raised from the dead. And now he's called into this final huddle. Now at first, Matthew was this godless tax collector. He was a Roman tax collector. Turned fully devoted follower of Jesus because he spent time with Jesus and he figured out what I was doing. That's not who I wanted to be. He got around Jesus and everything shifted in his life. Everything moved in his life. And, and so here he is with Jesus at the very end of his life and, and Jesus gathers the guys in for a little huddle and we could call this like, uh, we could call this a play. We could call this M28, 19 20 on three. That's how they call it in the pros, right? Sounds just like that, right? They should pay me millions. Right? But we could call this M28, 19-20, on three. And the on three is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Right? Because listen to what it says. This is an amazing thing. Uh, Jesus, uh, I'm trying up here, you guys. You guys are a hard crowd, man. You guys are hard. My goodness. But Matthew 28, if you could find it, uh, in, in your Bible, if you got a Bible, you just turn about halfway, go a little bit further than halfway, and you'll find Matthew. So Matthew 28, okay? Or you can look in the front. They got this little list of all the books and all that. You can just find the number, turn, or you get a smartphone out right now. Get a smartphone. I know all you smart people have smartphones. Get a smartphone out. Both campuses now do this for me. Come on, do this. And I want you to look it up. You can Google Matthew 28. It's all you need to do, and it'll come right up. You click it and go. Okay, so Matthew 28, and as you're finding that, let me just give you a, a little back story here because uh, uh, Jesus, uh, at, 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 excuse me, back this up. Matthew, when he writes this book, if you were to kind of track this book from beginning to end, you'll see that Matthew is making a case for the authority of Jesus. He's making a case that Jesus is the Messiah, the one that the whole world was longing to, deliver, uh, to have deliver them, right? He's making this case that he is their leader, that he has authority in this world. And, and, and so if you go into this, um, uh, go into Matthew 28, 19-20 on three, uh, Jesus has just risen from the grave. Pause for a second. That is not a bad way to prove your authority. I mean, it really isn't. To have a whole bunch of people see you die and a spear to be thrusted up into your lungs and to see you put into a tomb and then to see you walking a few days later, that's not a bad sell for authority at all. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it, it kind of gets you the right to tell somebody what to do. 
It kind of positions you for the game. It kind of makes you the quarterback, am I right? I mean, if any of you can pull that off, just let me know. But Jesus does. And, and so now this is just moments before he's ascended, what we call the ascension up to heaven, right? There's, maybe you don't know this, but at the very end of Jesus' life, he doesn't die again. The scripture says that he is, he is, he is brought up to heaven by God the Father himself. Not a bad way to go, right? And so he calls this final huddle, and he, and he calls these guys in, and then he says this to them. Listen to this, verse 19, he says, therefore, and what's the therefore for? He, he says, therefore, because, he's like, hey, everybody, uh, you, you guys, uh, you saw that I died. You saw how they treated me. You saw, how, you saw how the whole world condemned me, and you saw me raised again to life. So I'm gonna tell you something. Because of that, therefore, because of that, I have the right to tell you something. He says this, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's the on three, right? And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you to do. And surely I am what? I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so if you were to like track through this, these guys who are in this huddle are going, whoa, 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 whoa. Didn't you just tell us a few minutes ago that you were leaving once and for all? What do you mean now you're gonna be with us always forever? Am I confused here? Like what's going on, right? And so these guys are confused. But, but Jesus, he, he, you know, like every once in a while they put a microphone into like the huddle. Like, I don't know, they strap it on one of the guys and, and, and you can hear them talking. And, one, and every once in a while you'll hear this, I've heard this before, where the quarterback will go, all eyes on me, all eyes on me. Have you ever heard that, any football people? Eyes on me. It's the quarterback saying, I'm going to tell you something really important. You better listen and listen now because we are running out of time. We got about a minute and a half to win this game. And you better be paying attention. You better dial in all eyes on me. And then listen to this. And Jesus says, if you're with me, you, yeah, and you're confused right now, I get all that. But there's only one thing that you have to be concerned about. He says the only way that our team wins is that the only way that we win is is if we make disciples. It's the only thing you have to worry about. I'm gonna go with you in this. I'm gonna be with you. You may not understand it all right now, but the only thing, if you identify yourself as a follower of Christ, and if you're part of his church, our church, the only way we win is if we make disciples, if we win people to Jesus. You hear this? This is how we win as a church. We don't win as a church by getting more lights or, or figuring out if we got the right, this guy playing and this and this and the right children stuff. We don't win by that. We win when people are introduced to Jesus and their life changes. When their soul becomes alive. That's when we win. Listen, the only way the church, our church wins is if we make disciples, if we tell people about Jesus, if we lead people to Jesus, if we convert people to Jesus, if we show them what it means to love Jesus, to win people is to win as a church. To grow. And every once in a while I hear people go, oh, we're kind of big already. No, we're not. No. There's 400,000 people around here. The vast, vast, vast majority never come to church. We got a couple thousand of them. That's it. We're just getting this party started. Right? And so Jesus says, you got to go. You got to go. Listen, you got to go and do something. You got to put your faith into action. 
You, you want to know how to grow your faith? Well, go do something with your faith. You want the right habit to put in your life? Well, just start doing the things God is calling you to do, the things that you know to do. And this is really interesting. He says you got to get going. And the, I looked this up. The, the literal, um, see, the, the New Testament is written in this language called the Koine Greek. It's Koine Greek. It's a form of the Greek language. And, and, and the, little, the, the literal translation is, is as you are going. So it's like Jesus is saying, get your as going, going. <laughs> Now, some of you guys are going, he is so vulgar. I can't believe it. I'm not the one who thinks that. It's A-S, A-S. Literally, as going, you ought to get going with your as going. This ought to be part of your life. As you are building a career, you do ministry. You reach people. As, you, as you're struggling through the early years of finances and you go, I can't, I can't, I can't. He says, no, no, no. As you're going through life, you get going. You build the kingdom. You're part of who he is. This is the final instruction. He has the right to tell us this because he raises from the dead. He says, as you're building a young family and you're so busy, don't check out from the church. Don't check out from the right habits. If you want to grow your soul, he says, as you are going, build disciples, win people to Jesus, be part of the team. And you think about how a football team works, right? Um, all these guys are signed on to huge contracts. Um, and why is that? Because each guy brings something different to the table. Each guy brings their own thing to the table, right? You can't have all quarterbacks. You can't have all defensive backs. You've got to have a variety of people with different talents, different skills. And they've all got to complement each other, right? Um, like, for, for example... Nobody, if you ever met a guy who was like signed to the NFL playing on a team, uh, you'd go, oh, wow, so cool to meet you. Like me, I'd go, what team do you play for, right? And, and there's no way on earth he'd go, oh, I don't know, I just kind of float around a little bit. I show up to whatever team I want to. I just come on in and put the uniform on and I, I get out there and make a couple plays if I want, you know. No, he would say, I'm signed to the Steelers and I am all in. I'm all in. And I'm doing everything I can to win as a team. I'll tell you that every single time. And let me tell you something, friends. Let me tell you something, friends. This is our team. If Metro's your home, and I don't know that it is, but I'm just going to assume for a second that it is. This is our team, and you need to get out of the huddle and get into the game. Amen. You need to get your ass going, going. You really do. No, it, it's true. It, it, but I hear this every once in a while. It blows my mind. Like, we want to win as a church. Aren't you excited when you hear stories of people's lives changing and coming to know Christ and their marriages put together, their children being lifted? It's an amazing thing that goes on here. But here's what I hear all the time. I hear people go, well, you know what? You're kind of already big. You're right. We're, we're kind of a bigger church. Well, you already got it. It's all so pretty and nice, and the lights work, and, and the band's rocking. And, and, and you know, I don't really, I'm not really needed around here. Friends, it's true. Compared to a lot of the churches that we grew up with, this is a big church. But all that means is that we have a lot more work to do. Amen. All that means is that there are a lot more opportunities for you to get in the game and get on the field and to make a difference in people's lives for the kingdom of God. Stop sitting on the bench. Stop sitting in the huddle going, that was great, Pastor Jay. Oh! And do nothing with your faith. 
get in the game. Here's how the scripture describes this. Um, Paul is trying to move this church forward, this young church in the city of Corinth. And, he, and I'm just going to read a bunch of verses to you if that's okay. It's so obvious. I don't even need much commentary. I'm just going to read this to you. Paul is trying to tell this young church in the city of Corinth, you better get going. And here's how he says it. Listen to this. This is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read out of the NLT version. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to start in verse 4. Just listen to this. Listen to this. It says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but they serve the same Lord and God. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does all the work in all of us. Y'all tracking so far? He says, we're all different, but it's God in the middle of it all. Same God, one mission, one purpose. This is why we exist. And he says, listen to this, verse seven. He says, as as a spiritual gift is given to each other or each of us so that we can help each other, not just do what we wanna do, but so that we can build something, each other. Y'all with me? Okay, this is pretty obvious, right? Listen to this. To one person, he gives a spiritual ability to give wise advice. This is my friends, Ken Bussell, Ron Olson, and Roger Vincent. Right there. That's them. Like in our church, whoa, I'm like, whoa, that's, that's these guys. And then it says, to another, the same spirit gives a message of special knowledge. That's my friend Greg. He's the smartest guy I know. Listen, seriously, the same spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else, the spirit gives the gift of healing. If any of you have that gift of healing, I got a right foot that will not stop bothering me. You need to come and talk to me. But God gives it to somebody. God gives us great faith. You call the purposes and power of God down from heaven to earth. He gives it to somebody here. Use it. Use it. Listen to this. Listen to this. Um, he, he gives one person the power to perform miracles, another ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. This is my friends Steve Burke and crazy Natasha Adams right here. Uh, they just have such insight. Every time I talk to these guys, they have this ability to look in and look past what the obvious is. And they hear something from God's spirit. It's a gift from from God to the church, to build up the church. And still another person, he's given the ability to speak in unknown languages. This is my son Isaac. When he gets all excited, I can't understand the same thing he's saying. He just goes, I'm like, hey, you got the gift, right? (laughs) Listen to this. He says, while another person is given the ability to interpret what was just being said, that's his mother. Okay, verse 11. Uh, Listen, it is... It is one and only spirit. It is the one and only spirit who distributes all of these gifts. He alone decides which person should get which gift, right? Now listen to this. The human body, he's making the case. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. So it is with us. We are the church. He goes, some of you are Jews. Some of you are Gentiles. Some of you are slaves. Some of you are free. And then he says, some of you are short. Some of you are Mexican. Some of you are black. Some of you are rich. Some of you are poor. Some of you are white. Some of you are single. Some of you are divorced. Some of you are married. Some of you have a truckload of kids and others of you don't have any kids at all. He's talking about us. Us. He says, God wants to do something with us. Stop huddling. Go do it. Go get in the game. He says, but we've all been baptized. 
into one body by one spirit and we all share the same spirit of God. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not uh, part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if an ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not the eye, would that make it any less part of the body? Answer, no, right? Then he says, if the whole body were an eye, how would we hear? If the whole body were an ear, uh, how would we smell anything? Listen, if everybody uh, was, was a superstar guitar player like these, some of these guys are, we would not be caring for our children. We wouldn't be caring for our teenagers. We wouldn't be caring for people who struggle with addiction or people who are just alone and need a life group to be part of. We're in this together. Do something. Listen to this. But our bodies have many parts and God has put each of us, uh, each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. True, right? Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Listen, friends, we need you. If we are ever going to win as a church, everybody who calls Metro their church home needs to stop paddling around in peewee football and get serious about the game. You need to get in the game. I was just talking to our director at Metro Kids, Taylor Campus, and, and they said this to me just this last week, that we may have to shut down part of our seven o'clock experience because of all the changes and people going to this campus and this campus and the time changes going on. If we don't get some new people in here for the seven o'clock experience, we might actually have to shut some things down. And there's a whole bunch of incredible volunteers, even in this room, who are working really hard to make it all happen. But we are a big church with lots of opportunity and more work to be done. Get in the game. You were made for more than the huddle. You were made for game time. And if this is your church, then I'm gonna tell you just straight up, get your ass going, going. Because that's what you're called to do. Jesus said it, not me. You should serve on one of our teams here. You should, well, I'm so busy. We're all busy. Well, I'm not sure that I'm qualified. I'm not sure that I'm good enough. I'm not sure that I got my act together. Let me tell you something. If it required all of us to have our act together, nothing would get done in this church. Nothing. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, we, we say this, I'm not ready. I'm not qualified. I'm not sure. I'm just struggling so deep. One of the ways you get out of your struggle is to serve. One of your ways to get out of the struggle is to build this habit of going into your life and following the voice of God and trusting him more and seeing what he would do in your life. That's how you grow your faith. Do you see this, friends? As a matter of fact, Paul sits, uh, finishes this little section. Verse 22, it says, in fact, some of you go like this. Some parts of the body that seem to be weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. You are necessary. You're necessary. Why don't do what you do? Of course not. We just read God gives different gifts to different people for different reasons. Use his giftedness in your life to build this church, to reach people. Get in the team. Get on the game. Get in the game. No more huddling. We huddle. Game plan. Here's what we're doing. We're trying to do this. We're trying to do that. Here's what God's word says to us. Now break. Go. 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 Amen.
Go. Now listen, um, we, uh, you know, we started this whole idea of this, of this series of habits. And we, we said very, very straightforward, the only way to change that thing about you that is not what you want to be or not what God wants to be is to get more of God in you. Not to try harder. Because if you could fix you, you would have fixed you a long time ago. The key to me seems to be getting more of God into your life. Well, how does this raise my marriage? How does this, how does this raise my family? How does this uh, help me break the, this addiction? Or how does this get me out of this financial struggle and malaise I'm living in? How does this get me out of this loneliness? I'll tell you how it does. When you go with God, God meets you. And you get more of God in your life by going. My good friend Ken Bustle says, God never steers parked cars. He doesn't steer parked cars. Ones that are going, God just kind of goes, all right, all right, now we're moving. <laughs> nice. I'm with you. I'm meeting you. Trust me. Trust me. So the very first week of this series, I asked you, uh, to write something down that you wanted to be different in your life. Anybody remember this? Anybody? Anybody remember? Come on. You don't remember? I have to start this whole series over again? You remember, right? People on video, you guys remember, right? We, we talked about this idea that there are some things in all of our life that we want to be better at, that we want to do differently. And I had you guys write it down in your phone. You need to get going on that right now. Whatever it is, God, that's calling you to, you need to get it going now. Stop putting it off. And I'm telling you, I promise you, trust me, I love you. I'm your pastor. I'm not just trying to blow smoke at you. One of the best ways to meet with God is to decide to serve him regularly in any capacity he calls you to. I'm telling you. So here's what we're going to do, if it's okay with you. I want to challenge you to work on this habit that you want to create in your life, this newness that you want to create in your life. And here's what we're going to do as a church. I don't know if anybody's going to join me on this. I'm not, I'm not, even, I don't know. But here's what we decided to do. For the next three Saturdays, starting next Saturday, Saturday, at 9 a.m., one of our pastors is going to be at each campus in the main auditorium. At 9 a.m., doors will be open. And we're going to invite you to come with this habit in mind, that this thing that you're working on, and we're going to invite you to come and to simply pray with each other, to lift us up. We might have a little time of worship where we set our hearts toward God, but we are going to pray about it, and we're going to pray for it, and we're going to pray with each other. We're going to lift this together for three weeks from 9 until 10 in the morning at each campus. So if Taylor's your campus, you come here. If Riverview's your campus, you go to Riverview. Let's do this together. Let's get better together. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. So Father in heaven, we uh, just take a moment to, to confess that uh, we, we do struggle. And uh, we, we confess that we, we, we admit that there are some things in our life that need to change and need to change right now. The, we, we confess that you are calling us to certain things and we've been putting it off. God, we, we also confess that we are to be part of your church, not just in the huddle, but in the game. So God, we just give all of this to you. We lift this before you, God. 
We ask that you would do great things in this church. We want this church to win. God, we want your glory to be seen here. We want people to be changed here, God. We want families to be restored here. We want habits to be broken here. We want new direction and new hope to be found in this church, God. That's why we built this place. And so, God, we ask that you would use us in this room. Use us in this room right now. In Jesus' name, together we say, amen. Amen. Amen.